I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Caleb over in the editing booth uh, after, you know, this was recorded. Just want to let everyone know that this was originally Friday's episode, but due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to use the file until today's episodes. Sorry for that, but I hope you enjoy this episode anyway. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. I am here. I am Sonny, your host. Caleb is not here. He had something he had to do and he couldn't record. Happens to the best of us. But before we get too much farther in, I of course want to thank our patrons. So a huge thank you to Cam Yang, Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, Gate Guardian Support, HGA Cyber, Madam Vare's Smugness, Marshawn Jones, Zypher, Zephyrius, AD, Aaron Gardner, ABC. It's easy as one, two, three. I just can't say it without seeing it. Well, Anthony Leela, Blackwing, Silverway, and the Ascendant is a Floodgate, Branded Fart, Cult of the Eldritch Gummy Bear, Damien Zinc, Dank Nugs, Invoke Fart, Mountain Man, Nico Gal Number One, Bottom Text, Oatmeal Spaghetti, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rabina Go Chirp Chirp, Rudolph, Sneaky Links, Sunny You Stubbornness. It was super effective. Unbanned Number 95, Konami Virtually, Savior's World, What Does Pot Agree Do, Zingus Khan, Asami, Dragon Maiden, Less Behavior, Libromancer Best Deck, Maxi Solves Combo, Mystic Mine is a fair and balanced card, and y'all are just jelly of its studliness. That's Nordic Best Deck, Old Man Red, Pin Code 143, Ray Powell, Shockmaster Did Nothing Wrong, Slaking It Up, and VFD's Nuts. Y'all are wild. All right, and of course, we want to thank a couple of different sponsors here. We want to thank Millennium Threads. Millennium Threads is an Etsy shop that you can find. The link is in the description down below. They sell Yu-Gi-Oh!-based apparel. So things like hats and hoodies, basically whatever you can do custom embroidery on for Yu-Gi-Oh! related things. And I believe that you might also be able to get some custom stuff done. So 
Be sure to check out Millennium Threads for some awesome Yu-Gi-Oh content for, or well, merchandise and, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh themed products, as well as you can also get some Top Cut podcast stuff there. So be sure to check them out. Their link is in the, in the description down below. And also we want to do a huge shout out to Dragon Shield for sponsoring the podcast. So Dragon Shield is one of the world's largest TCG accessory manufacturers. They make sleeves, deck boxes, playmats, all that good jazz. And of course, you get that awesome, that hand shuffle sound. Yeah, that you can only get. Oh yeah, good stuff. So if you're interested in some Dragon Shield sleeves that you can get all their different colors as well as custom art sleeves on the Dragon Shield website, there's a link in the description down below. It's an affiliate link. All you do is click it before you shop and it helps us out at no extra cost to you. Speaking of affiliate links, we also have a TCG player affiliate link also in the description down below. Like I said, click it before you shop, costs you nothing extra, and we get just a little bit of a kickback, and it helps us out tremendously. And also, if you're on Apple or Spotify, go ahead, check out the little follow button you can find up near the top of the page. Also, especially on Apple, and you can leave ratings on both, but on Apple, you can also leave a review. So helps us out, lets people know that we are at least sometimes entertaining or something along those lines. And of course, the last thing I'm going to say is check out our Discord server. We do a locals tournament every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It is remote dual, follows all the remote, remote dual standard practices. And we run those every Thursday night and topping one of those gets you an invitation to our invitational, which will be later this year, maybe sometime around October, I'm thinking. So with all that said, let's get on to the important stuff. I would love to introduce our guest, the one, the only, Keegan from E3 Yu-Gi-Oh. What's going on, dude? What's up, duelists? How's it going, Sonny? Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I gotta say, big fan of what you make, big fan of the content that you put out there. But for those that don't know, why don't you go ahead and tell the people a little bit about what you do? So, I'm on YouTube now. <laughs> Hey mom, I'm on YouTube. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. I make I make Yu-Gi-Oh content. YouTube.com forward slash E3 Yu-Gi-Oh. Mostly Edison format content, which of course we're gonna talk about a little bit more. I do do a lot of uh, yeah. other formats too, like current Yu-Gi-Oh, modern Yu-Gi-Oh. I play a little bit of Dragon Link here and there, but it is mostly Edison format content. And then I run some tournaments, and I'm looking to be running the first Yu-Gi-Oh Summit event, July 8th of this year which should be very exciting. Definitely don't want to miss that. So check out the channel if you get a chance. What's up, son? Absolutely. There will be a link in the description down below for those that want to just quick, easy, click and subscribe. So why don't we go into a little bit more about what Edison is, as well as time formats in general, time wizard formats in general, because a lot of our listener base is newer returning players. And this is something that maybe not everybody has heard about. I know we've talked about Edison and Time Wizard in the past, but just a refresher to really get the people. It, it gets the people going. It gets them excited. Yeah, hype. Time so, Wizard hype. Yeah, absolutely. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Or have you, is that how that goes? I think so. Something something like that. I, it's, it's like an, an ancient meme, right? Like an archaic text. <laughs> something like that, yeah. But yeah, Edison format, you know, it's it's a it's a isolated time period of Yu-Gi-Oh. 
March 2010 format. We definitely didn't just talk about all this stuff yeah, in the first time we recorded this. <laughs> yeah. For those of you joining That's what us. it is. It's provocative. Going. Provocative Continue. gets people going. So Edison's a format that's both provocative and also gets people going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. 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 Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Edison format, March 2010. It's it's March 2010. You're you're a wee lad. You're a you're you just opened your first booster pack of Crossroads of Chaos and you pulled a Plague Spreader zombie and you're like, wow, I want to play Yu-Gi-Oh again because for some reason you had stopped playing and now you've started playing again and. And the format's great, and there's a new ban list, and everything's balanced, and you can play any deck you want and have a good chance of success. And that's Edison format. It's right before things get a little crazy with the Frog FTK. It's right yeah. after things were a little crazy with Triple Charge Lightshorns. And it's just this perfect storm, like great format. I don't know. What, what did we talk about earlier? <laughs> yeah. I'm so trying... the cool thing about Edison is that, like, like you said, Keegan, it takes place in this just this perfect tiny little moment in Yu-Gi-Oh's history, which is just March of 2010. That's it. Because about a month later, you get the release of The Shining Darkness, which just flips the game on its head with the Frog FTK. And it really is just an entertaining format. It's got extreme, extreme diversity. But... There really isn't a deck, in my opinion anyway, that is just leagues ahead of everything else. There is no clear-cut, flat-out best deck. You can ask five different people what the best deck is, and you could get five different answers. So Facts. Facts. that, to me, is strength. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's one of the strengths of Edison format. For sure. So. For sure. The diversity in this format... While, while diversity isn't always a good thing in card games, and there's there's a lot of discussion on this in separate separate plays, we're not going to get too much into that. But uh, while it's not always a good thing in this particular format, I feel like it is a good thing. It lends itself to being the perfect format for content. I can record with a different deck pretty much any day. I can outplay my opponents and beat them with anything I want to any day, and it's it's exciting and it's hype. You know, all the cards are they're nice and nice and easy, nice and easy yeah. to understand. Yeah. Some of the decks in the format are very intuitive and they're not super difficult to understand or see the combo lines. But then you also have other decks that have a very, very high skill ceiling that really takes a bit of effort to kind of see past what might you might see just on the surface, right? Yeah, so totally. It gives you the ability to see a lot more of the format as a whole and see a lot more different ways to play the game without ever really leaving what the one format yeah so yeah you've got you got some powerful but, combo decks you've got control decks you've got aggro decks you've got like these weird mid-rangey synchro decks there's a lot of like in between here and there i think a large part of it just lends itself to you're fighting for positioning in the first like three to four turns of the game whether or not you're playing the control deck or you're playing the combo deck or whatever and then once you get to that position, you know you, you pretty much have to play perfectly in this format. If you if you mess up even once, like you're gonna get you're gonna get punished by someone who's playing even slightly better than you, uh, which is cool. It's cool. It's kind of what we want in Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Where the more skilled player gets rewarded. Definitely. So, how did we get here, though? 
how did we get to the point where we're playing this format from 2010? Hmm. I think that a lot of it has to do with the introduction of the Time Wizard format by Konami. So, really, as a whole, you have what could be considered kind of like the perfect storm for something like this to see the rise in popularity. You see the early 2010s rise in popularity of GOAT format and even to the mid 2010s. But now here with Edison, you see just not a slow rise to popularity and a slow gain in popularity, but an, a monumental rocket ship ride to the top of, in my opinion, this might be the most popular retro format in the game at this time. If, if it, I think it's the, mo the most popular retro format right now. Because if you look at GOAT format, GOAT format's completely solved. Plant Synchro is like Edison, but less diverse and not as good. And the next deck, the next format that you get to that is more diverse is 2014 Nationals. And you might only be looking at four or five competitive decks in that format versus Edison. Oh, and the games are a lot faster, a lot, much, much faster paced, much more, much higher pace. Totally. So when you Edison, though, it's kind of everything that you want in a format, right? As far as keeping the format fresh. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things about Edison, too, is that like the pacing of it leads it to be a very great time for like tournament coverage. It's a very great time for you know a youtube video <laughs> or whatever uh which is which is great i mean that's kind of what people want they they want to play like a 15 20 minute game they don't want to be playing like these 45 hour like yugi kaiba mirrors but they also don't want to be playing like these three second like infernity mirrors where the person who just comboed off wins and you just have to concede because there's no counterplay uh right so so it's it, the pacing of it's really great and it there's there's a lot of little factors that that lead it to be the best one of the reasons like I personally came to the conclusion that Edison format was the one I wanted to cover the most of is we were on, well, not we, but I was looking for something to do in my downtime. I lost my job due to COVID. We, we, yeah. we talked about this, you know, you know what it is, but uh, yeah, uh, I lost my job due to COVID and I was just looking for something to do in my downtime and I was like playing retro format Yu-Gi-Oh! I was playing a lot of Go format and I was like, man, this format kind of blows. <laughs> yeah. I love it, but just, oh my goodness, like, you can only get Trinity BLS so many times before you just, you can't do it again. You can't do it again. Hands yeah. off. And if you want a plus one in Edison format, it's not as simple as activate Pot of Greed. It's like, I'm gonna set my Raikou, and then set my D Prison, and then bait out your Dandelion, and then flip my Raikou, and now I have a plus one, but the plus one's a 200-100 body. Like, it's like a lot of setup and positioning and slow little advantages here and there whereas right. like in other formats it's like well i drew my power card so i win pretty much and right. I think that's pretty cool not to say that edison doesn't have power cards so unlike in yugi kaiba or whatever creator of the earlier formats where the power cards are like regeki and whatnot Yu-Gi-Oh's uh power cards in this time are all these really interestingly seated boss monsters like Gladiator Beast, Heraklinos, Archlord Christia, Dark Arm Dragon, Judgment Dragon. These cards are very powerful and they can give you a very big advantage. They don't necessarily win the game on their own, unlike in later formats where one card combos like Infernity, Archfiend exist. But 
they do um, they do reward you for playing positionally and setting up to getting to the point where you use them. So I think it's it leads to a cool sort of gameplay where in the late game everyone has a little bit more power uh, that they're messing with. Definitely. Yeah. So how does all of this relate to you and your channel? For so for people that don't know, like I said, Egan runs the E3 Yu-Gi-Oh channel, which is Ed Ed and Edison, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's essentially what it stood for. But in order to avoid <laughs> cease and desist laws, one was yeah. a little bit of a name change at some point. Uh, <laughs> how does it affect me? Well, I really like Edison format. I've been throwing some pretty big tournaments for it. I threw a series this year called the Really Big Edison Tournament Series. It's still going on. There's still two more installations if you guys want to join. Um, you know, go to go to my channel. You'll you'll be able to find a, a Discord link somewhere, and it's it's on that Discord. It's yeah. it's basically a free to enter like cash tournament for Edison. There's usually like 200 to 500 players in any given one of them, and it's just a good time. You know, it's just a good time. Everyone who enters has a blast. It's all a similar kind of age group. It's usually like we're all a little bit more grown now. You know, we're not 16 year olds like fighting over cards and shit anymore. We all got jobs. Yeah. Some of us got families, you know, and everyone's so, really chill. I don't know. But what about the origins of your channel? Where did you come from? What, what made you want to get into this line of, I don't want to say line of work, but you know, <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, so a little bit earlier, I did mention that I lost my job due to COVID. I was online just looking for something to do. Me and a couple of friends, we were in this this Format Library Discord. Shout out to Format Library. Great Discord, if you're looking to play old formats. Definitely. Uh, and we were playing different formats. We were just kind of feeling it out, seeing what we liked. And I was like, damn, why does no one play Edison? This format's amazing. And so we started, like, hyping it up a little bit. And more and more people started to play, and then we are like, there's really no content for it. Like we couldn't find deck lists. We couldn't find anything. There was just like one or two threads on like some old forums for like one or two deck lists. And it was just very difficult to find, find stuff for it. So we got together. There was a, there's a large number of us, I think like six people involved. I was the one who was like kind of involved with the YouTube side of things, but Jazz was running the format library and Chappelle's running edisonformat.com. And they compiled a lot of rulings. They compiled, compiled like these very easy to use card databases so you can figure out exactly what you want to build they gave it an easy place to publish lists and talk about different things like that and i was like i'm just going to make youtube videos because youtube's a great way to grow something that you're interested in especially niche interests i think youtube's one of the best places for niche interests to grow and we were able to show off exactly why we like the format and a lot of people kind of started to agree with us they were like oh yeah this format's the shit <laughs> it's oh i mean yeah. this format's the stuff sorry about that <laughs> It, it's 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 a good time it's a good time how did you get into edison format i know you said you picked it up recently so you're gonna laugh i was watching history of Yu-Gi-Oh, and it seemed fun so i started playing it and around the same time it blew up it throughout the entire community and and that included our local community and as it blew up for the entire community and all of a sudden i had a locals place to go play then I realized that the format's pretty enjoyable. So I was watching History of Yu-Gi-Oh! It seemed cool. And then when I realized that it seemed cool, the entire community realized that it seemed cool. So, you know, every deck got expensive. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, especially lately. I mean, buyouts, buyouts have happened. We talked a little bit about buyouts earlier. But uh, you know what? Um, one thing I want to touch on right before we move on to the to the everything getting expensive is 
I do got to shout out MBT and CMO and all the people who put together like Edison coverage on these very large platforms. I mean, they gave me pretty much a kickstart to do a primarily Edison thing just by doing their one or two videos. And they got a lot of people like yourself and a lot of other people interested into what seems like a very fun loving format. So uh, shout out to those guys. But yeah, things did get expensive. Uh, I know there are a few cards in your deck particularly that you might want to comment on <laughs> that have gotten a little oh, bit pricey. Let's go. I'm so right. Okay. Can anybody tell me why revived King high is, ex is as expensive as it is? Um, what, why Can we stop? Can we not make revived King high for no reason at all? I'm just going to look it up that way. I'm not like, <laughs> I got it pulled up here. It's like 20 bucks for the minimum rarity. <laughs> That's for a heavy play on limb. Yeah, pretty much. If, if you, you want to play limb, it's 25. And because I'm allergic to unlimbs, for me, it would be like $40. And at that point, I may as well get the ulti, which is even more. Yeah, you're looking at like $40 for moderately played. <laughs> yeah. Which, which sucks. Yeah. It sucks. I I honestly, it's tough. It's tough because like, it's it's one of those things. And we talked about this earlier. We did a take of the podcast earlier where <laughs> the the recording kind of failed. So we've <laughs> we're rehashing quite yeah. a few things and in a in a scattered order. But you you guys are piecing it together. You're piecing together the storyline here. Um, yeah, yeah. Smart listeners, they'll get there. Yeah, they they know what's up. They know what's up. Basically, yeah. uh, it's kind of inevitable that with these older formats or with anything that picks up popularity, I mean, money's going to get involved, right? Unfortunately, we can't have what we had like about six months ago where you could build any deck you wanted for around $25. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't really have that anymore. But Konami's doing a great job of reprinting a lot of stuff in the new OTS pack. They've got Caius the Shadow Monarch. They've got Skill Drain coming out as an ultimate rare. They've got a lot of cool, you know, Edison format geared cards in a lot of the newer sets. I think you were mentioning earlier Armory Arm and Chimera Tech Fortress Dragon. You had mentioned yes. those? absolutely dude let me say whoever wants to do some trading and throw in some hidden arsenal armory arms i want them all i don't want two or three i want like 40 of them man's out here I'll hoarding <laughs> you know and you know like we we can talk about buyouts i'm not a big fan of buyouts but i'll trade for all of these because this card is ridiculously undervalued because this card is in almost every edison deck yeah, pretty much. It's a, it's basically the Revive King Hot Ace, but in every Edison deck. And I think at eighty-eight cents, it's a it's a steal right now. I think it's right. A, it's just a cool card. It's just a cool card. I think that and like Chimera Tech Fortress Dragon, those are like two of the cards where it's just like they go in everything. You can't really play without them because they come up a lot. Actually, like I feel like those come right. up more than <laughs> some of the premier cards like Stardust Dragon. I feel like I definitely make Chimera Tech more than I make Stardust Dragon, which is pretty funny. Uh, right yeah totally totally definitely pick those up if you haven't already yeah i think that mm, i think that there's something to be said for how do i say this there's something to be said for the format being more expensive and what konami is doing as far as reprints are concerned but when you really look at Caius, Caius was what? A $4 card? 
Yeah. I think that they could be a lot more aggressive with their reprint strategy on these. I don't think that the latest OTS pack, I guess it's a start. It's a step in the right direction, but there's a lot more that they could have done. There's so many cards that are expensive without a great reason for being expensive. Yeah. To be fair though, Caius the Shadow Monarch is the number one most played card in Edison format. Statistically speaking. You think so? No, it is statistically. In the tournaments that, that I've thrown this year, it's the number one most played card. So, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, by a lot, actually. By by a significant by margin. A lot. Yeah. Most most decks play it. Or re- like, almost every single deck can play Gaius, so... It's one of those cards where... Yeah. It, if they weren't going to reprint it now, they would have had to very soon. So I'm happy they did. I'm happy they did, but... Uh, don't get me wrong it's a good reprint but there's other cards that they could have also thrown in for in that reprint spot for my opinion for sure one thing that i've noticed about their reprint strategy which is is pretty interesting they did hidden arsenal what is it chapter one or whatever where they reprinted a ton of old format stuff there was bryonic there was dragoonities there was you name it it was all old format yeah all old format stuff pretty much and that set was no original hidden sets yeah, pretty much. And that's how it was notoriously kind of a flop. <laughs> Did not sell very well. So now they're probably reeling it back a little bit, you know, having one or two like cards reprinted from older sets in their in their reprint sets and uh just just to bait newer players into or older players into buying them and and then having them they'll probably find a happy balance here soon, I think. I just think that if I was Konami as a company and that set didn't do so well, I'd probably like roll it back on reprinting everything at once again you know what i mean i do see what you're saying but here's my solution to that issue because i think that there is a solution we've talked about this on the podcast before people that have listened to the podcast a lot might roll their eyes because i'm saying it again but there is one product that they could make that would sell like wildfire it would sell so much so fast and it would solve all of these retro format reprint issues. About once a year, maybe even twice a year, Konami should pick a retro format. For example, they can start with GOAT, then they can do Edison, then they can do 2014 Nationals format, then they can do Chaos Return format. Whatever format they want to pick, they can pick that format, build two or three or four pre-constructed decks for that format all in pretty low rarity except for maybe one or two notable cards as ultra or super rare and put it in a box style similar to the battle city box from speed duels where you get two pre-constructed decks that way two people can walk up purchase the product and play against each other from the beginning yeah. And then do is you also include two packs. Say it's two 20 card power up packs, we'll call them. Where the packs are your normal distribution ratios as far as, or even like a mega 10 ratio, where you have mostly all commons with maybe a couple of rares and then a couple of supers couple of ultras and like one secret or one rare one secret two supers two ultras 
And then you have the possibility of pulling something in an ultimate rare. But the key is, say it's 20 cards in this pack, you get two of these packs in the box, and then the total card list could be, say, 100 cards in the set list or whatever. So essentially what you buy when you get the product, and this could be this could be like a $40 MSRP product, and that would honestly be fine. $30 to $40 would be fine for a product this extensive. But you call it the time with the time capsule or something like that, some kind of time capsule. And it gives you the ability to high rarity and low rarity various cards. For example, an ultimate rare metamorphosis would look amazing. Things like that. You could also do reprints of cards like Trap Dust Shoot, Royal Oppression, Substitute, Revive King Hot Death, cards that are expensive for no reason other than they are played in a lot of retro formats. So you get this product. It's got two pre-constructed decks that are playable in this retro format. Maybe a little rule book that says the time frame and the ban list and the, some of the key rulings or something like that of this format. And then two power-up packs of 10, take 10 cards apiece, that's fine. That way the two players can kind of customize their decks a little bit with the opportunity to pull one of, say, four or five extremely high rarity chase cards in, say, Ultimate Rare. For sure. And I that think... product would sell like crazy. For sure it would. For sure it would sell like crazy. But sales are not the ultimate goal of Konami. The ultimate goal of Konami is to get you addicted to the game where they can keep selling you products. The issue with old formats from Konami and printing something that is only geared towards old formats is that it does not perpetuate their goal of getting players to play modern Yu-Gi-Oh! Or getting players to play Master Duel or getting players to play Duel Links, or whatever it is. That's why thus far they've been mixing in newer cards with older cards, because at the point where you buy cards, let's say you're buying one of these, you know, reprint sets, like Hidden Arsenal Chapter 1, or something like the new OTS packs, you're going to play a tournament to get a chance at pulling whatever. They're getting you to go play that tournament. They're getting more from you than your money, basically. They're getting this commitment into showing your interest like every single new card that you are exposed to is a free advertisement for konami every time you see like a striker dragon or every time you see like i don't know what's an, what's another really popular new card like a drytron card or something every time you right. see one of those in front of your eyes it's an advertisement to play the current format of the game which is where they can you know like continuously create a product and continuously keep you in for them right now the old format the ots time wizard thing is it's just like a it's honestly like there's no reason for them not to do it but for them to print a product that is only old format stuff it would actually probably hurt their new format player base at least initially because a lot of the old format players who are being exposed to the newer cards are no longer being exposed to that so it's counterintuitive right. to their whole like marketing strategy i don't know it's an interesting concept for sure though because it would sell really well it would be a huge like just cash out for them if they wanted it yeah for sure yeah it's just i from a marketing perspective it's not the the wisest thing to do uh, and i can understand that from from working that side of things in a different few different areas so uh but everything about that i know that you mentioned that it doesn't really pull players into advance but i think that it does i think that if you get some of these 
players that haven't played in a long time, you they say they're walking through their Walmart and they see that and they're like, oh hey, I played the game at this time. This is really cool. And they've got a buddy with them and they're like, hey, you know, let's get this and let's just play some Yu-Gi-Oh. And then all of a sudden you've got these two players that maybe haven't played in 10 years playing Yu-Gi-Oh together. And they're like, I wonder what the game's like now. Totally. And then all of a sudden you have two more advanced players. Totally. And so I think that it convert people. It brings people back to the game because it gives them, it reintroduces them to the game in a way that they're familiar with. And it drives the natural curiosity of the human brain, right? Yeah. To see what's going on now with the game. Of course. The other issue, though, I have with this is they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with erratas and ruling changes and rules in general. The way that Konami's errated so many of the older cards, I mean, more than 50% of any given Edison deck has an errata at this point. It's just for some reason they've oh, done that sure. to sell new cards. When they reprint, like let's say they reprint an Edison deck, they sell you a Ryko. Is it going to have the new text or the old text? If it has the old text, right. that's confusing to the newer players. And this is why I think Erratas in general are just terrible for games, but um Yeah, it would be it would yeah, be a little bit hard for them to pull that off. And then like you'd have to not only convince someone to play the current format Yu-Gi-Oh!, but you'd have to teach them a whole new game at that point. You know what I mean? Like I it's well, tough. that's always part, that's always, always, always part of the concern when a player tries to pick up Yu-Gi-Oh, whether they're a returning player or a new player. Because let's face it, Yu-Gi-Oh is as complicated as it as it gets. Exactly. Right. Exactly. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, especially with the with the new feature creep and everything, like there's so much text on every card right now. It is so hard to convince someone. Like, if I if I want my friend to play Yu-Gi-Oh with me, I have a good friend. He's like one of my closest friends. We play games together like all the time. And yeah. he plays flesh and blood, he plays magic, he plays whatever. And just trying to convince him to play Yu-Gi-Oh with me, he won't play any combo decks because it's just too much to learn. It's just right. too much information for a new player to invest their time into. Whereas, like, yeah, if you want to get someone to play Edison format, it would be great for newer players. They would just have to really figure out uh, how to backtrack all these errata or just right. a way to do it in a way that's, like, more friendly. And that's why Duel Links was such a huge success is because Duel Links stripped back the craziness that Yu-Gi-Oh has become. It made it a very simple game. Duel Links had more downloads like than Hearthstone total, which is insane. And it still has yeah. more active players, which is crazy. Yeah. It's just great for new players. Honestly, they need more stuff like that. But I don't know if Yeah, they'll... I would definitely... What's up? I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. And, and while I do think your product is like a dream come true for people like us who... <laughs> want to revive king hot ace for five cents or we want a, an armory arm for five cents okay. or whatever I, it's just on a it's a little unreal unrealistic that they'll they'll do something like that simply because of the 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 what they're looking to accomplish i suppose if there was a way where let's say if there was a a demand that that exceeded let's say it exceeded the demand for their current format game maybe Right now, I mean, like, retro formats, it's a small fish. We're, we're a small fish in an ocean, bro. We're a small fish in an ocean. We're competing with sharks, dude. Like, literal XYZ overlay to <laughs> water for monsters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough out here for the retro guys. No lie. That is true. Well, 
on that slightly depressing note, we're going to take just a moment here to take a quick note from our sponsor. So a huge thank you to ETB Games in Alexandria, Louisiana for sponsoring the podcast. They are, of course, me and Caleb's locals, and you can find Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments there every Thursday and some Saturdays occasionally. In fact, we have an upcoming Edison tournament being held on June 25th. So if you're interested in Edison and you're anywhere in the area of Alexandria, Louisiana, be sure to come by ETV Games, check it out. Me and Caleb will be there if you want to you know, come in, hang out, say hey. And of course, ETV Games is also your one-stop shop for all of your card game needs. They have sleeves, they have deck boxes, play mats, binders, singles, and sealed product for all the games that you love, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, and Digimon. And of course, you can also find everything that you need, you need for all of your tabletop gaming needs, figurines, paint for them, the big mats that go on top of tables, and a space to play the games in, as well as a space to go in and play all the video games that you love. So if you're interested, be sure to check out their link, which is in the description down below. And of course, be sure to check out that Edison tournament, which is being held again on June 25th. So with all that said, let's get back on into the meat of the discussion. I actually want so, to give a special shout out real quick to ETB Games as well, or like any any local game store that's throwing Edison events. If you guys want a little bit of a boost, if you guys want some sort of stuff, DM me on Twitter at E3Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'll, I'll add your, I have a local spreadsheet for Edison that I put in the description of all my videos. And I'll put your locals information yeah. in there so people can find your tournaments and more people can come to your stores. It takes a lot of work to yeah. run the local stores, so shout out to the locals absolutely love 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 local shops that keep this going you know they keep the keep the game strong so all right i want to talk a little bit about the actual meta of edison the things that are good the things that are not quite as good and the things that are really good so in no particular order i would love to hear your maybe top five decks of the format yeah, for sure. So, top five, little disclaimer, I mean, before we get into it, there is a very small margin between the top five and the next five. And I do think that the next five can beat the top five pretty consistently, given that you're playing well. I think skill matters a lot more than actual what you choose to sleeve up in this format to an extent, to an extent, right? But that being said, if I had to pick a top five personally, It'd probably be Dragons, Blackwing Vayu Hybrid decks, Fairies, Diva Hero, and Zombie Synchro decks would probably be my top yeah. five right now. And then that's also subject to change too, of course, but as of right now, those are the top five. Right, right. And so funny to me because like Dragons, like that, to, I don't even know that that was a serious deck when I first started messing around in the format, it wasn't a widely recognized as good deck. I really feel like Simo did that deck a lot of favors as far as visibility when he played it on History of Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't think that a lot of people were really messing around with that deck like they were afterwards. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that list that he played, it's funny. Um, the list that he played in his video is, is one of my lists uh, that I sent him for that video. It was a list that I had given to a oh, friend. Oh, really? Yeah, I had given to a friend. We were running, like, small Edison tournaments before that. This was, like, right around when I started the channel. Um, 
but it was a list that I had won two tournaments with, and then my friend top aided a bigger tournament with that list, and we were just like, this deck's, this deck's legit. Like, it's actually really good. So when Simo asked for decks, naturally I had to send him some of some of my own creations, you know? <laughs> yeah, one, for sure. That one, it's, it's a legit deck. It's definitely one of those hindsight decks where it's, it's much better now that we are older and smarter and <laughs> don't think Ryko is the answer to every problem. Let's see. Yes, exactly. Plus our deck building skills have improved over the last 12 years, so we're able to build really streamlined stuff. And abuse, yeah, definitely. And use more powerful cards like Future Fusion a little bit more effectively. Right. So what are, in your opinion, some of the strengths and weaknesses of the Dragon deck? And maybe how does it... What's its general game plan? Ultimately, both versions of the Dragon deck that have seen success are either OTK or pseudo-OTK decks. The biggest strength, of course, being Future Fusion. Let's you send five dragons from your deck to the graveyard when you reveal five-headed dragon. And it also gives you like an immediate massive advantage and threat in the form of five-headed dragon coming out two turns later and sometimes a couple of red-eyes darkness metals coming out of your grave. That being said, the deck also can play a really solid fair plan because all of the dragon monsters that aren't, you know, red-eyes darkness metal, they have really high stats for the time. They're like huge beat sticks and they all have very good effects too. And they're all pretty easy to summon. One of the cornerstone ones is Kawaki Mirror Drago. That card is very powerful in the format. There's a lot of light and dark monsters, as you'll know, in the top five decks. I mean, they're all light or dark decks to a degree. So Drago has impacts against all of them. And it has very solid stat lines. So you can play through stuff like Royal Oppression with just your normal summon of these really high value cards. Uh, in the more Turbo Dragon decks, the more fast paced versions of it, it plays a lot like MTG's Doomsday deck where you empty your whole deck out and then you just pick your last six cards and you OTK your opponent with the six cards. You basically give your opponent a turn to play the game. And as long as you're you're smart and you know how to set up your OTKs after turboing through your whole deck, you can pretty much beat anything. So it's, it's, it's a nasty deck. Drago lets you play through Gores, Battlefader, and Trag, which are the only defense after a sweeper like Cold Wave or Trunade has been played. So that's that's pretty much the strategy. It's it's a it's a straightforward deck, but it's it's real strong real real strong. yeah so with that said how do you beat it what's what's your goal for beating it i or did i did you i just missed it oh uh, no no no. i i think we talked about it a little bit earlier when we did the first first little recording with caleb caleb mentioned cards like level yeah, yeah. limit area b and to a more extreme extent you could play stuff like dragon capture jar <laughs> unironically and it would be pretty good there are a lot of great cards that can come in to beat the dragon deck. One of the more notable ones that I really like personally is Electric Virus. Not only is it a monster, which you can summon worst case scenario, but it's also, it has applications against machine decks, it has applications against stealing opponent's cyber dragons, it has applications being a light, if you want lights for Honest or Chaos Sorcerer, it's searchable off Sangin. There's a lot of little like unique things with Electric Virus. In general, in Edison format, you can play really narrow, amazing outs like Dragon Capture Jar, or you can play like more versatile stuff like Electric Virus. Generally speaking, as a player, I prefer to play the more versatile stuff just because you cover a wider range of decks. The format, right. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but the format's really diverse. So uh, having more, yeah. more versatile like responses to the deck like Electric Virus, or in some cases, Kaiku the Ghost Destroyer, um, it can be a lot better than 
than having the more narrow outs like Victoria or Dragon Caption Draw or whatever. You get the idea. Right. So, the next deck that we're going to talk about here is, I guess some people call it Vayu Turbo, but really it's more Vayu Black Wings. Yeah, yeah, this deck is interesting. I mean, it's popped up a lot recently. It just won the last major Edison format tournament uh, in the hands of Monster Gamer 13. It's a combination deck between Vayu Turbo and the standard like Black Whirlwind Black Wings decks. It's interesting to think that this is ultimately a Blackwing deck, but it just min-maxes on the Vayu strengths a little bit more by playing three copies of Dark Reaper. Yeah. And it, it just it's just a really, really gross deck. You get to play the best trap cards in the game. You've got Icarus Attack, Phoenix Wing Wind Blast, Compulsory, Regeki Break, Karma Cut. These are the best trap cards because you can use them at any point, realistically, and you can also hit any card with them. So they have the most versatility in terms of use and whatnot. You discard a Vayu, it's not like a real discard, right? Because you get that plus one back later on. And then also you get to play five of the strongest starts in the game. Uh, three of them are Dark Reffer. Of course, you can play a Rota as well and have six. And then you can have the two Black Whirlwinds as well, which are yeah. some of the more devastating starts. You know Black Whirlwind. I'm sure you and the listeners all know Black Whirlwind. Cards. Yeah, that card's crazy. It's gross. I actually saw someone combo off with it in Modern Yu-Gi-Oh!, recently i know that the black wings are getting more support and black whirlwind's going to be a key card in that deck coming up so if you want shiny black whirlwinds now would be the time to get them let's say that is so. true that is true so what would you say are some of the weaknesses of that deck this deck can be hurt by getting its normal summon clipped sometimes if they're on vayu uh turn player priority pitch to send then uh the normal summon's not as important, but clipping the normal summon prevents them from getting the whirlwind search, so you can get pseudo plus ones by using like a bottomless trap hole on a normal summon. You have to be careful of things like Icarus attack being chained, but bottomless trap hole and trap hole by extension I think are pretty good cards against this deck. Consecrated light is another great card against this deck. It is a little bit narrow and it is double sided so you have to be careful of it, and it is a little weak to the opponent using any of those really powerful generic removal spells. But if it's incidental for you to have Consecrated Light in your deck, like let's say you're playing Light Sworn or whatever and it just happens to fit in your engine because you have Shining Angels or Sangin or whatnot, um, it's a fine sideboard card. In general, this deck can be really difficult to play against. Uh, be careful of your life total. The way I like to sideboard against this deck is I actually like to side out every single card that costs life. If you can keep your life total high enough, then you can maybe stabilize with your power cards and your linear strategy later on. But... It's a tough deck to play, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Alright, next we have... Fairies. Fairies. <laughs> oh man, we talked about this a lot earlier. Uh, fairies is a deck that I'm really proud of. I put a lot of personal work into it. I've invented the list that's like... I personally invented the list that's like very successful right now. So, uh, it's, it's my favorite deck in the format. What's up? I said, which is very cool, by the way, that you basically invented the list that is the most popular version of the deck. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of work that went into it, but uh, not just from me, but definitely had the right idea on it. There's a cool little loop you can do where Christia is like essentially an infinite restore resource. If Christia would be destroyed, it goes to the top of your library instead. So you can build up these locks like with DD Warrior Lady and Dimensional Alchemist and Christia. 
you have infinite it goes back to the top of your deck for those of you that don't play magic yes yes exactly not uh, your library your deck ah uh, yes <laughs> yes my bad my bad my bad <laughs> my bad i'm, I'm a, i play too I, many I different to, games i had to you got me you got me you got me no you you're right right goes back to the top of your deck not your library yeah. uh yeah so with christia going back every time it dies you get an infinite resource every time you summon it you get to add back fairy from your graveyard to your hand and you can add back dimensional alchemist which can add back dd warrior lady so you have infinite banishes on your opponent's monsters so you can play the game in a very controlling way where you just banish every single monster your opponent has in their entire deck and then you lock them out of the game from special summoning and you you eventually just grind them out of resources or you can play the game in a more aggressive fashion with soul of purity and light which is just a fast like 2000 beater freed which is kind of like a normal summon pop your guy thing honest herald of orange light to clip your opponent's normal summon keep them off tempo and you can play it very aggressively as well so it's like it's like an aggro control deck if that even makes sense it kind of depends on which draws you get but you can dictate the speed of the game really easily like you can switch from aggro to control because shining angel is so versatile of a card it lets you toolbox anything from your entire deck and there's like five or six amazing cards uh, that you can tutor with the the shining angel to set up whichever game plan your your hand wants to go for basically right so weaknesses weaknesses there are some pretty big ones i think one of the biggest ones is deck devastation virus unfortunately the deck is kind of pigeonholed into playing a lot of monsters that are sub 1500 attack so if your deck can support deck devastation virus it's a great card against it it is a little awkward if you hit four fairies and they just drop a Christie on you. Of course, that does suck, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the weaknesses. And then I think the other weakness is Light Imprisoning Mirror. That's a pretty big weakness. You do have to be careful. They can still use Herald of Orange Light and Honest because those activate in the hand. And it doesn't stop static effects like Christia's effect in, in play or Soul of Purity Light's infect... Or, not infect. <laughs> effect in play. So, yeah, you got to be careful of what it does and doesn't negate. But it's it's still a great sideboard card. Shuts off a large majority of the deck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next we have a deck that has become a personal favorite of mine, which is Zombies. Now, Zombies, to me, are one of the most surprisingly explosive decks in the format. It's kind of like this weird control mid-rangey explosive deck. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's definitely like it takes a turn or two to get going, but once it, it gets that one monster in play, and the one monster I'm talking about here, of course, is Goblin Zombie. Once you get Goblin Zombie in play for a turn, and then you get an extra normal summon, you somebody better stop you then. Somebody activate Threatening Roar or something, because you're, you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game. If, if you get a turn where you have Goblin Zombie, and you get another normal summon, that's it. That's pretty much it. You can normal a Plague, you can normal a Diva, and you're getting at very least two level six synchros with a bounce with a search or you're getting a full-blown otk every single time so uh, yeah definitely one of those decks you don't want to let them ever have extra bodies in play and of course sometimes you don't even get the choice because book of life gives them that extra body in play right away so very dangerous deck to yeah, play against keeps going yeah it's like once it starts comboing, it almost feels like a modern deck. It almost feels like you're linking off Black Dragon into Striker Dragon. Like, 
synchroing with goblin zombie it just feels like that you know what i mean like right it's nasty it is a scary deck it's one of the best dark arm dragon decks too and that card of course you know dark arm dragon you know you have to know it if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know dark arm dragon what are you doing what are you doing you look up dark arm dragon right now you gotta know the card yeah and it just manipulates the game state in a way that it's advantageous to have dark arm dragon in your hand right sometimes dark arm dragon is not it can be a little bit bricky sometimes but in this deck it is really easy to drop it yeah between book of life mizuki zombie master plague spreader summoning itself out like all these different ways like just so easy to get that dark arm dragon down oh yeah so I would love to hear, though, in your opinion, what are some of the kind of generic strengths and weaknesses of the deck? One of the strengths of the deck for sure is is just how many limited bombs it can play. There are so many limited cards. If though, if any of you guys played the format right before Edison format, which is it's like 2009 Lightstorm format, Zombies was actually the best deck right before the ban list. It had three Bryonics. <laughs> It had two allures, it had three burials, it had... It, it was insane. It was actually so broken right before the ban list. And it turns out it's still broken even after the ban list just because all the cards that are limited are still insane. You just only get to play yeah. one of them. That's probably the biggest strength to it. I think one of the biggest weaknesses to it is it is a tiny bit slow. It does need that extra turn to summon. It needs to resolve that first goblin zombie to make that big explosive play. And if you can stop that from happening using something like a Banisher of the Radiance, for example, or if you can activate a Dimensional Fissure, those are more narrow outs, but you could also do something like summon a Kaiku the Ghost Destroyer or use Royal Oppression. And these two floodgates are are really, really good against the zombie strategy because they need to Synchro in order to combo. And if you negate the Synchro, then they're just doing nothing, more or less. Right. I think those those are some those are, those are some weaknesses to the deck. I think it's just a little bit a little bit slow to get going. But the second it gets going, it's insane, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how often me and Kale will be sitting there playing Edison, and he'll be like, "Hit you for seventeen, sure. Hit you for you know however much, twenty, you know two k, whatever." And I'll be looking at him, and be like, "All right, I'm on three hundred life." I guess if I'm going to do something, now's the time. Normal summon zombie master, activate Mizuki summon plague spreader, make a six, start bouncing cards, and then it's like activate plague spreader, get another one back, and then activate return, and just like keep going, you know? Yes, return is one of the disgusting limited cards you do get to play. The deck is, it's so insane. You just, you maybe go down in the first few turns, and then you just have insane plays for the rest of the game. That's pretty much how it goes. It's a, it's a great deck. I do want to mention one other weakness of the deck, which is Thunder King Ryo. I think Thunder King Ryo is really good against zombies, too. That's something you uh, got to be careful of as a zombie yeah. player. For That's sure. fair. Yeah. And then the last deck, last but definitely not least, Diva Hero. Yeah, also a great deck. I want to say this deck's like zombies, but there's a few major differences. I think it's a little bit more fast, or faster. It's a little bit faster, but it is a little bit more bricky than Zombies. Zombies has a little bit more consistent draws. Goblin Zombies, is like, it's a solid card to draw. Whereas, like, in the Diva Hero deck, you've got two Malicious, terrible draws. You've got Gilman, terrible draw. You've got, you know, you can brick on multiple Divas. I've, I've had hands where I draw, like, double Diva Gilman. It's just like, what do you do? 
you can't play the game. So, so I think it's a little, bit, a little bit brickier. You can draw Miracle Fusion without a hero or a water. Uh, the payoff spells, like Miracle Fusion, while it is more or less better than Book of Life, it is, you do need two specific things for it to even be cast. And then you have to do that through DD Crow and post-board games and whatnot. And it's just a lot. It's just a so lot that needs to go right. All hero engine in their zombie deck, you say what? I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. One of them did top eight the last RBET in the hands of a player named Silchus Ruin, which is very interesting. Silchus Ruin is one of the one of the best players in Edison format right now. He is top three to every single Edison format tournament he's entered. <laughs> which is crazy. Like that that's a crazy stat to say. And these aren't like slouch tournaments either. These are like 200 plus, 215 plus people tournaments. And every single one he gets third place or higher. Um, he has exclusively played Diva Hero up until this last tournament. In this last tournament, he played Hero Zombies. Where he cut the Miracle Fusions and he cut some of the waters from his deck, like Spine Gilman. Some of the bricks that we were talking about. And instead he elected to include a smaller zombie engine and Book of Lifes. So he found that that was like a little bit more consistent than having the Miracle Fusions. I think hybrids of the deck are very cool. They're very interesting and they do work well together, right? Because Zombie Master Pitch Malicious is, it's great. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that there's definitely room to explore hybrids of those two decks for sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think that it's interesting also in Edison, the amount of overlap that you get between different decks. You know, because you might have a deck that you say, oh, well, that's a quick draw dandy warrior deck. Well, they're also playing a, vol a, a volcanic package. Or you might see a, a just kind of a dark pile deck that's playing some black wing stuff, maybe, and a couple of hero cards or a couple of zombie cards in their hero deck and like back and forth. And there's some there's a little bit of overlap in some of these decks sometimes there's a frog hero deck now it's really interesting to see how the format is keeps evolving and growing and then people are like well no this is the best deck well no now it's this one and it's just i like seeing where this is going yeah so. same there's one deck that i i really got to draw attention to while we're while we're on the podcast invented yeah. by a user named carpath <laughs> <laughs> And this deck, I, I literally, you can't even call it anything but the car path. It's like the craziest combination of cards. It's got Machinas, it's got Gear Town with the Gadget Dragon, and then it's also got Debris Dragon, and Dandelion, and Lone Fire Titanial. So you can bring out Ancient Fairy Dragon with Debris and Dandy, and then you can use the Ancient Fairy Dragon to destroy your Gear Town to special summon out the Gear Dragon. And the deck is just capable of dealing 8,000 damage out of nowhere. It's one of the scariest decks in the format. I think it has what it takes to be like a top five deck very easily. Uh, but All it's missing is representation. Literally, literally. It's, it's one of the scariest decks. I, I've covered it once or twice on the channel. I'm going to do a video with it eventually. I mean, it's one of my favorite decks to play too. It, it just, the synergies between these like weird fringe strategies, like things, things that would never really come up. Like I've had Titanial protect my Machina Fortress from a de-prison while I'm going for game with limiter removal. Like I, I've had crazy like little things come up like that where it's just like, you'd never think to see these two cards in play, but Carpath really made it work. It's, it's such a sick deck for sure. Yeah. So the 
But that's kind of the cool thing about Edison format, which is the format is so diverse. I know we've touched on this a little bit in this episode, but in other retro formats, like we've said, you might see two, three, maybe five or six playable decks. In Edison, the number is closer to like 25. Yeah, honestly, yeah. In any of the major tournaments, like top 32, easily 20 to 25 different decks in top 32. Easily, if not more, which is wild. Almost every single top eight, like the least diverse top eight we've had so far this year has had seven different decks in it. (laughs) So wild to me. It's crazy. And for better or worse, that's what Edison format is. And if you enjoy it, there's lots of different ways to play it. And if you don't enjoy it, well, then you're doing something wrong. Literally, give it a chance. I mean, it's a great format. There's something for everyone in it, for sure. If you want to play Burn, yeah. Degen stuff, there's Degen stuff. If you want to play Synchro stuff, there's Synchro stuff. If you want to play, you know, Brain Dead fucking... Or, pardon me. If you want to play you're good. smart strategies, very intelligent strategies like Normal Summon Green Gadget... <laughs> Be my guest. I mean, like, you could, there's something for everyone in uh, in Edison format, for sure. So, so uh, definitely check it out. Definitely. And if you want to check out a whole heck of a lot more Edison content, you can find that on the E3 Yu-Gi-Oh! channel. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Is that right? Yeah, no, you, you got it. You got it. Nailed it. It's a difficult, difficult yeah, yeah. name. Only two characters, but... <laughs> Do a little bit more plugging, dude. Let let people know kind of the things that they can expect to see on your channel. Is it just meta talk? Is it just Ekrafaz? Tell people about what they can find on your channel and where they can find you, besides the link in the description. So my schedule is pretty interesting, right? I mean, I try to upload seven days a week. I usually miss like one or two days in a month, but I almost upload every single day. If you guys want to see competitive gameplay attached to deck profiles of never-before-seen decks, that's that's the place to go additionally i do a major tournament every other month called the rvet or really big edison tournament series they're free to enter they usually have huge cash prizes if you want to play edison format with some of the best players in the world that's definitely where you want to be and if you just want to watch them the whole tournament is covered in full on the channel live and the vods go up immediately after you can watch the previous rbets there as well And then last but not least, something I'm just getting into, which I'm going to do the first one very soon, is I'm going to be doing Yu-Gi-Oh! Summit-style events. In-person, invitational events. There's going to be live commentary, really fun side events. It's going to be like eight of some of the best players in the world for the first one. Hopefully, they're going to be bigger in the future, but this one's going to be a test run. This one's going to be on July 8th, so definitely don't miss that. It's going to be a ton of fun. Absolutely. And without a doubt, if you haven't already check out e3 Yu-Gi-Oh! subscribe to them on youtube for what is in my opinion probably the best and most oh there's a word not conclusive um there's a c word here comprehensive (laughs) the best and most comprehensive edison coverage and analysis that you can pretty much find on youtube so be sure to check them out i think it's at e3 Yu-Gi-Oh! on twitter Yep, yep. Yeah, so be sure to check out E3 Yu-Gi-Oh! pretty much everywhere that you can find your normal content. Well, not Spotify and Apple iTunes where you find our content, but like, you know, YouTube, Twitter, things like that. So Yeah, of course. With and Definitely. Go ahead. Listeners, 
if you're listening right now and you're not already following the Top Cut Podcast on everything, including YouTube, including Spotify, including Apple Podcasts, do it right now. Leave them a five-star review. Say that Edison Format's the GOAT. Say whatever, but just leave them a five-star review because these guys are doing some cool stuff. They're putting on a lot of cool people. They're doing some, making some big moves, making some big moves. So definitely check them out. I, the the duality of the statement that Edison is the goat is just something that I love. It's it's All ironic, right. really. <laughs> the, the duality of Yu-Gi-Oh, truly. All right. With all of that said, you, you know what that statement is. While, while I'm thinking about it, that statement is provocative. It gets the people going. Truly provocative <laughs> and gets the people going. I I agree. I agree. Thanks for having me on, Sonny. It was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, bud. All right. With all that said, thanks so much, for E3. Keegan, thank you for coming on again. And until next week, have a great weekend, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter. A health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.